Uh, you know, in the Free Methodist Church, I love the freedom that we have. It's part of our name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Freedom is part of our name. So, uh, you know, if somebody uh, can't be baptized by immersion, I've had people who just have like a morbid fear of water. Do you know anybody who has a morbid fear of water? I'll sprinkle them. I'll pour them. I've even threatened to use a fire hose on them. But I ne- I've never had the privilege of doing that yet. But uh, these ladies are all going to be immersed in the baptistry behind me in just a few minutes. But they have received grace. And when you receive grace, then your life is filled with peace. peace. Because the two words are grace and peace. grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And after his introduction, the Apostle Paul does something quite remarkable. There's an outline in your program today. I'd like you to take it and follow along. And the very first fill-in says that the first uh, section from verse 3 through verse 14 in the original Greek wording is one huge sentence. It's one sentence, no punctuation. Now in the English translation, in order to make it easier for us to understand and deal with in kind of bite-sized chunks, it's divided into several sentences. But the, the, the way it was written was one sentence. And I'd like us to kind of just quickly look at that sentence before I dive in any deeper, okay? So let's go to Ephesians 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, what? Blessing in Christ. Would you read that last sentence? Let's go back. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. You have received, you know Jesus, you have received every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Remember that praise of his glorious grace, because it'll come up again. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Wow, how cool is that? Is that good? Mm, Somebody's excited. All right. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That he has, what's the next word? Did God just give you a little grace? No. He is lavish. He has poured his grace on us. Wow. With all wisdom. How much wisdom? All wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of him, his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, that is, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the what? The praise of his glory. Would you read that phrase? For the, for the praise of his glory. Anybody here know Bishop uh, Richard Snyder? He was the interim pastor before I came. If you've ever heard him pray, 
Almost every time I've ever heard him pray, he used the phrase, for the praise of his glory, one of his favorites and one of my favorites. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed and were marked by him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit. So the, you were marked with a seal, which is, who is the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What a sentence. <laughs> you know, how do you even make sense out of that sentence? It is so jam-packed with powerful ideas. Well, for me, the best way I can make sense out of that sentence is to understand that Paul is just thrilled with the change and the difference that Jesus Christ brings. And he is about to write this letter to his friends in the city of Ephesus. Now, if you want to take uh, the next two months and get a little deeper into the things of God, I suggest you start by reading Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 is the backstory to the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, we had our first meeting with our small group this past Wednesday night, and we started getting into the letter to the Ephesian Christians, and the question came up, well, why was this letter written to these people? Like, why this city? Why, why, why this? Why now? You know? And when you read if Acts chapter 19, you find out that Ephesus, a huge, important city, kind of on the borderline between Turkey and what would be now Lebanon, right, up in the corner of the Mediterranean, the second most significant city of the ancient Mediterranean world, a blend of Roman Empire and Greek culture, highly educated, rather sophisticated, home to one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the ancient temple of Artemis. And uh, if you read Acts chapter 19, you'll find out that backstory, okay? So he's writing to them, and he's telling them that they have more in Jesus Christ than they realize. That Christ wants to make a difference in every part of who they are and how they live. I mentioned uh, uh, Richard Snyder, another friend of mine who serves currently as a bishop in our church is David Kendall. Uh, he and I went to Spring Arbor College together, and uh, I remember in chapel one day, he gave up what I think was one of his first message sermons. And I remember him saying that, don't make the mistake of thinking Jesus Christ is a spiritual aspirin for your life. He is not sent from God to solve your holy headache, okay? He's not, he's not trying to make you feel a little better. He is here to transform you totally from the inside out. And too many people think that they can just add a little Jesus to their everyday life and everything stays the same. That's absolutely not what God intends. God intends to forgive your sins, to give you a new life, to give you a home in heaven, and to change every part of who you are. It's life change. It's radical. It's comprehensive. Every part. So, he, so the apostle, Paul, he's writing this letter. He is going to tell them, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Ephesians chapter 2. Then later on, he's going to tell them that uh, the way a husband and wife live their marriage out is 
a reflection of the love that Christ has for the church. And that there ought to be mutual submission and there ought to be um, a special kind of love that only God can give. He's going to tell them how to raise their kids. He's going to tell the kids how to respond to their parents. He's going to tell people that work out there in the marketplace and have a boss that's kind of demanding. They're going to tell, he's going to tell employees how to relate to employers and employers how to relate to employees. Then he's going to tell us all to put on the full armor of God. Is that a good idea? Put on the full armor of God. And then he's going to, you know, this is all coming, okay? This is where we're going. He's writing, the scroll is about to be unscrolled. But before he does that, he gives them one run-on sentence anticipating all of the changes. And sort of he thinks of one thing and then he thinks of another. He thinks of what God has done and then he thinks of what God is going to do. And then he realizes that God chose us before the foundation of the earth. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he thinks of the grand purposes of God that we get to be in on. There's a mystery here, friends. You can't just sort of make Christianity into a nice little comfortable equation that you can explain in three sentences. It's not that. It's way more than that. There's this dynamic, amazing, life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ that connects us to God the Father, and he is overwhelmed with the possibility. And so one thought leads to another thought, leads to another thought, leads to another thought, and 202 Greek words later, he puts a sentence, he puts a period at the end of the sentence. So today, I would like us to realize with the Apostle Paul, all that we have in Christ. Everything he's done for us. What did he say he's done? He's given us every spiritual blessing. Well, like what? I'm glad you asked. You know that um, in my own devotional life, whenever I'm confronted with a question like that one, and I'm trying to think of, okay, just what has God done for me? You know, what, how transforming, how life-changing is my relationship with God? One of my favorite things to do is, is just quickly go through the alphabet and make a list. Now, on the page in front of you, if you've got your outline, there's like three blank spaces there that says, what are some of the spiritual blessings? Maybe two or three of these that I'm about to read will connect with you and stand out to you. So that's my prayer, that God will sort of take my list and help you to think about your list. In Christ, I am blessed. In Christ, I have every spiritual blessing. Not in who I am, but in him. In Christ, I am alive, bold, cleansed, directed, enlightened, forgiven, gifted. Are you writing these down? Okay. Enlightened, forgiven, gifted, hopeful, inspired, justified, kept, loved, made whole. I know I cheated a little. That's two words. Made whole, okay? New. I am an overcomer. I am peaceful, quiet, righteous, satisfied, transformed, used by God, victorious, washed, exuberant. I know that was another cheat. 
And I know it doesn't start with an X, but anyway, exuberant, youthful. <laughs> I need more of that. Youthful and zealous. How about you? What are the blessings you have received since you've known Christ? Your life has been radically transformed. And oh, by the way, if you don't really know Jesus as your leader and forgiver, you're missing out. Because all of that and more is God's plan for your life. And he is one prayer away. And so today, the word of the Lord to us is this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, understand and live into the radical change he has already started in you. Don't just settle for halfway Christianity. Don't, don't miss the fact that there is something enormous, cosmic, eternal going on in you. And he wants to use what he's done in you to bless the world through you. And if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, think about what you're missing. <laughs> think about the possibilities of what God wants to do in your life. As I was working on this message earlier in the week, I, uh, I listened to a guy named Greg Groeschel, a great young preacher that I admire a lot. And he was talking about how many times we sell ourselves short. And when people try to encourage us in our spiritual walk, uh, we end up sort of discouraging ourselves. The Bible says we should encourage ourselves in the Lord. Um, has anybody here ever been discouraged? Have you? A long time ago when I was a young pastor, somebody told me discouragement is the occupational hazard of ministry. Discouragement is the occupational hazard of ministry, so I know all about it, okay? And so Greg Groeschel was talking about why we allow the discouraging voices to kind of get a hold of us instead of listening to the encouragement of the Spirit of God. And he listed three things, and I think um, I can identify with all three of them. You might too. They're not on the outline. You might want to write these down. The first thing that often discourages us unfairly is unfair criticism. Many years ago, Nancy and I, I went to a Christian workshop with one of the early um, leaders of healthy Christian psychology. His name was Dr. Clyde Naramore. And Clyde Naramore taught James Dobson pretty much everything he knows. And uh, we went to the seminar and he did a thing about, called How the Twig is Bent. He talked about the family of origin, the people you grew up around, the voices that you heard when you were young. And many of us grew up with voices that were somewhat harsh and critical, sometimes unfairly so. And, you know, looking back on it, he was talking about how sometimes that's your parents or maybe grandparents or a, a teacher or sometimes a pastor, you know, kind of tough on you. And he's like, you, we know now that those people only wanted the best for us, right? He was, very, he was very careful to say, don't carry a chip around on your shoulder and be mad at the previous generation. But he said, be aware of it. Understand the voices that you were listening to and the messages that you were being sent. Because he said, as the twig is bent, so the life grows. You don't measure up. You don't have what it takes. You're not going to amount to much. 
those messages are burned into the internal hard drive of some of us pretty deeply. And when the Spirit of God begins to bring us alive and we begin to feel the possibilities and the potential and the good news and the blessings of the Lord, those negative messages come back and eat our lunch, discourage our faith. God has a different opinion about you. He, through Jesus Christ, believes in you, the possibilities in you, by his grace and by his power. Uh, Pastor Rochelle talked about unrealistic compliments. It's kind of an unusual thing. You know, especially with our younger generation, many of us who grew up with the harsh messages have sort of maybe gone the other way so that it's always this positive message. You're, the, you're great, you're the best, you win a trophy just for showing up, right? And uh, sometimes in our effort to raise the, the uh, spirits of those that are under our care, we sort of send a disconnecting message because inside we know that not everybody wins everything all the time. Not everyone can be the best in every aspect of life. But we still matter. We're still important. We're still valued. We're still treasured. And then the third thing he talked about was unwise comparisons. You know, social media can eat us alive on this one. We compare everybody else's highlight reel with our ordinary everyday life. So you go on Facebook, and what do you see? <laughs> Happy families, eating beautiful food, on the best day, and what's your life? <laughs> it's not all that, right? It's not all that. We compare ourselves unfairly to their highlight reel when we know the truth about our behind-the-scenes lives. God's view of us is different than we think different than the voices around us. We can try doing everything possible on a human level to jump high enough and get good enough when the truth of the matter is God loves us. He just loves us. God went first. We, the Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. That's the truth about you. He loves you just the way you are. And he doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants to make you more and more like Jesus. That's the good news. And that's important for some of us. You know, I, I have a lifetime of uh, memories and tapes of play in my head, feelings of inadequacy. Um, you know, if you're a pastor in the last 30 years, who have you been compared to almost every week? Uh, Chuck Swindoll? Uh, David Jeremiah, Andy Stanley, and guess who wins every time, <laughs> you know? It's just the way it is. It's just, it's just life. Um, especially if you were an overweight teenager, anybody ever endure the torture of being put up against the fence and having them choose up teams? I mean, I just figured it was, it was their way of punishing me, right? And be like, okay, I'll just go last. Just choose me last right now and get it over with because I don't need the pain. Um, some of you know that this past week I was playing uh, pickleball, starting learning how to do it with some friends. And uh, by the way, you should see Les Bell on a pickleball court. I'm just saying. There he is right over there. You think he's a nice guy playing the keyboard? No. All right. So we're over there playing pickleball, and I, they, have, they have an hour for the beginners, 
and then they make them go home because they don't want to waste any more time on them, right? But uh, during the, at the end of the hour of, for beginners, uh, some of the good players came in and they were watching and they, were, and they said to me, oh, you're good at this. Have you played this before? I'm like, give me, give me some of that, you know. Yeah, I played it once before. Well, you kind of have a knack for, uh, for um, racket sports, you know. I'm like, yes, yes, I have a knack for racket sports. Let's, let's, let's tape this, like let's get this on video, right? Because I need this, because this is good for me. Well, guess what? You have a good, good father, and he is crazy about you. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it, right? You matter to him. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. And no, that doesn't mean you're perfect. And no, that's not some kind of crazy over-the-top thing that, you know, you don't need to grow or change. But it is the bottom line about you. You have been blessed. I have been blessed in Jesus Christ with every spiritual blessing. And so when you read through those 202 Greek words and translate them into English and try and get your head and your heart around them, the message is this. Because of Jesus Christ in you, you have incredible potential. There are amazing possibilities. God wants to do something in you and through you that is bigger and better than you can ever imagine. God's concept of who you are is different and better than most of the concepts that we have of ourselves most of the time. So I took those 202 Greek words and I worked most of this week with a variety of translations. There are, uh, if you use Bible Gateway, they list about uh, 25 or 30 English translations. I went through almost all of them in the past week. Out of the ones that are listed there, there are three that actually translate this section as one sentence. And so I took some of those, prayed it over, tried to get, get the thing into my head and into my spirit, and here's the Glenn Teal translation. Are you ready? Are you ready? Wow. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is because he is the father of our master, Jesus Christ. And he takes us up to the high places of spiritual blessing because he had us in mind even before he laid down the earth's foundations. And he planned for us. He planned for me. He planned for you to be made holy and blameless by his work in you, which is so cool. I added that part, which is so cool because it really goes back to the time that God chose us to be adopted into his forever family through Jesus Christ, which, by the way, gave him great joy. And even now, all this brings praise to his glory and goodness. Just think God poured out on us by the hand of his beloved son, who is the Messiah, by pouring out his blood on the cross the freedom that comes, being free from every penalty and every punishment for the sins that we've committed. And this new freedom is abundant because God thought of everything and provided for everything we could possibly need to the extent that he even let us in on his mysterious plan 
which, took, which he took delight in making, which all ha- which, in which everything has Jesus at the very center, so that every part of heaven and earth is being brought together and summed up in him, and we get in on it. And don't forget that it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what our purpose in life is. Because it was long ago before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up that he had his eye on us. And his design for us was a glorious life, which is part of the overall good purpose. He is still working out in everything and for everyone and is all focused on Christ. Once you heard the truth of God's good news and believed in it, you found yourself home free. Signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit, who is, after all, God's guarantee in your life. And it's fantastic to know that the Holy Spirit in you is acting as the first installment or down payment of your full inheritance that is still coming your way. And he reminds us that we will get everything God plans for us here and hereafter. A blessed life that will bring praise to his glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm so happy for these three people who are about to be baptized. If you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to do it and do it soon. You might want to talk to one of us after, Pastor Shane or myself, after service, and we'll set you up for next time because there's going to be a next time really soon around here. But before we do our baptism celebration, let's pray together. And the worship team, if you'd come up while while I pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. I pray for the person today that needs that to sink in, who feels less than, not enough, who's been discouraged and defeated, Lord, in Jesus Christ, we are victorious. We are graced and blessed. And Lord, you are our righteousness, and we place our hope and our faith in you today. So I pray for every Christ follower in the house that you would build us up and strengthen our faith, give us courage and joy in the Lord. And I pray for anyone who doesn't know you yet. When we think about what we're missing, I pray that today would be our day. Lord Jesus, we place our faith in you. We do believe in you. We want to be forgiven and changed. We want the Holy Spirit to be the down payment on a whole new life. And so we open our minds, our hearts, our, everything we are to you right now. Come in and live your life in us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering these prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship with one more song, and then in a moment, we'll baptize these who are here to express their faith in Christ. So let's stand and let's sing.
guys can be seated. Stay one, two, one, two. Kelly Cahoos. Growing up in Flushing, Michigan, I went to church with my mom, and later on my own, I rode on the church bus with a friend. I had a rough childhood, and the church helped me to deal with a difficult family life. From my early experience at church, I knew I needed Jesus in my heart, and I definitely did not want to be left behind when the Lord comes again. That's when I trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. Since my childhood, there have been times that I got away from my faith. I came back to Christ and tried to turn my life around. I have always kept searching. In fact, I have read the King James Bible from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, twice. Throughout my life, I've made several attempts to get back on track in serving God, but always fell backward. I got caught up in the evils of society. But I have returned to the Lord, and he has helped me through all the challenges of my life. Jesus has changed my life by helping me realize that even with my heavy heart, he has a plan for me. I realize now that as much as I went through all these hard times, and sometimes I don't understand the pain, that the Lord was working out his plan, especially where family is concerned. I will continue to love and accept what God has in store for me. I love to thank my life partner and husband, Stephen Coos, for always staying beside me through it all, supporting my belief in God and Jesus. I'm very thankful for Yvette Justice, my long-term friend, for lending me that shoulder and reminding me that God will work things out, even when I was in my deepest pain. I would love for everyone to know Jesus so they can experience this sense of peace that comes when we trust in his perfect timing and purpose for our lives. I've gone to many different churches throughout my 50 years. Recently, every time I drove by the Davison Free Methodist Church, something inside of me said, stop. It's kind of hard to explain. It was just a gut thing. This summer, our daughter, Nevaeh, spent some time at our house. We were watching some of the church services online. And one day, we decided to stop by the Free Methodist Church office to meet the pastors. Immediately, we felt at home. As a matter of fact, Nevaeh went home and told her mom, we have to go to this church. She loved it, as did I. The Davison Free Methodist Church has helped me to feel warmed and loved and I just feel like I need to stay here. I like to say that though I don't have control of what's around me, I have control of what happens within me, and I will choose to follow him. I will close with a verse I learned at age five that has stuck with me for 45 years, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Kelly Cahoots, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah.
Luella Jane Judd. I grew up in the mountains of Tennessee and moved with my family to Pontiac, Michigan, where we were part of a Baptist church. One Sunday morning in April of 1961, I gave my life to Jesus. I was saved. I was very active in the church there. But in my senior year of high school, we moved to Lapeer. As the years went by, I did not have a solid church where I attended regularly, and I was never baptized. Years continued to go by. I kept Jesus in my heart, but through a difficult marriage and other trying circumstances, I did not attend church regularly. Throughout those years, I've had a lot of ups and downs like most people, but Jesus has always been there to pick me up and carry me through. In more recent times, as I have come back to the Lord, he has helped me to be a kinder, more loving, and giving person. Not long ago, I moved to Davison, and my adult son and I started looking for a church. I found the Davison Free Methodist Church online just before Easter, and I began attending along with my son and grandson. We all love coming here. Now I have found a church home where I feel at home, and I really want to be baptized today here with my new church family. I will have surgery on my back tomorrow, so I'm delighted that it worked out for me to be baptized today. I appreciate all your prayers. Psalm 23 has been with me in my darkest times. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jacqueline Brothers. When I was a child, I went to church in Goodrich with my mom and sister, where I was baptized as an infant. I was involved in our church from then until high school, but I lost connection to Christ when I went away to college. During that time, before really accepting Christ, I had feelings of loneliness, guilt, and fear. I was struggling with addiction and thought that vicious cycle would never end. I was dying, and I could not live that way anymore. I wanted to live, so I finally surrendered. I'm sitting right here, right here in the Free Methodist Church in Davison, one Sunday morning, I decided to give my life to Christ. I prayed along with the pastor at the close of the service, and I was immediately overwhelmed by a sense of God's Spirit coming into my life. Since then, there have been many little miracles that have come true for myself and the people around me. Now, I never feel lonely, even when I'm alone, because I know the Lord is with me. I no longer feel guilty, because Jesus has forgiven me. I no longer feel fearful, because I have faith. I am grateful every day that God is back in my life. I'm especially grateful to Paul Bohms for introducing me to the Davison Free Methodist Church and encouraging me to follow Christ. I'm eternally grateful to my family, the Bohms family, and the Davison Free Methodist Church 
for all the support and guidance in following Jesus. I love the outpouring of love, the friendship, and the support that I find here. I feel very fortunate that God has led me to this place. In my life's journey, God has used the serenity prayer to help me. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Brothers, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. half of that song or something exciting, whatever you guys have, and let's praise the Lord, let's all stand, and uh, when we're done singing, the Lord go with us all. <laughs> 